car with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh -huh. Car with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship game. Cause I ball hard. Don't be ball harder. I am the bird man. This is one night stand. What up, night fans? It's Sunday, January 6th. I just got back from Arizona. Had a great time at the Fiesta Bowl. Obviously, we came up a little bit short, but it was a really, really cool experience, and we'll talk about that game in detail here coming forward. I'm here with... Money Moo. What's up, guys? Night Nation. A little depressed <laughs> uh, after that game. UCF's historic 25-game winning streak was snapped by Joe Burrow, and LSU's passing attack was just too much for Daryl Mack and the Knights to overcome. But I think there's a lot of good to come from this, and we're definitely going to get into that throughout this show. Where do you want to start? Well, I think, you know, the overall theme of the game was time of possession. Or lack of. Or lack of. UCF pretty much never had the ball. I mean, the time of possession, only 15 minutes for, for the Knights. That's something in any I've level of fo football, I've never seen a time of possession that one-sided before. Usually it's never less than 20 minutes. And like a, a 40, how many minutes are there? Is it 40? 60. Yeah, a 40-20 split is like insane. A 2-1, to one, and we were at a 3-1. to one. So honestly, that game felt like... It could have been a blowout. I think for as much as the defense was on the field, I think they actually did a, a great job. And besides a couple big plays, I mean, we pretty much stopped LSU. After that first drive where they scored a touchdown in the second half, they didn't score another touchdown. They kept stopping the Tigers. They held them to a field goal a bunch of times and kept giving the ball back for our offense. And we just couldn't seem to click and get a rhythm and get anything going. And when we finally did at the end, it was just a little bit too late. And, you know, we got the ball back on that last drive. Not enough time to really run the ball or do anything. And, um, you know, that had that crazy interception off the helmet to finally end it. And we came up just short. Now that part you should be, ex we all should be extremely proud of. Because I think even though we were down, you know, after the first quarter, we were pretty much down the whole game. For us to, ne we never quit. No. You can definitely say that we never quit. No, this team never quits. Us having the ball there at the end with a chance to tie it was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And don't don't let anyone tell you that we scored a garbage time touchdown to make it a one-score game. That's not how it was. Our defense was doing great and kept giving us the ball back. The problem is we couldn't just get we just couldn't get clicking on offense. There's two plays where we would have pretty much won the game. We had, you know, the Gabe Davis play where he dropped it, which if you go back and look, the defender was so burned that he dove at his feet, and I swear he nicked his foot a little bit, which threw him off. And if you picture yourself running full speed trying to catch, concentrate on catching a football, and someone clips your foot a little bit, that's going to throw everything off. Now, I'm not saying he should, shouldn't have caught it because I still think he should have, but there's definitely not just a – Gabe Davis doesn't drop that pass normally. And then the other time was after that muff punt right there in the red zone. Gabe Davis wide open in the corner of the end zone. He absolutely burned his defender, had him falling all over himself, and 
Mac just missed it, which was crazy because that was so much of an easier throw than the one he did catch right before halftime, which was an absolute dime in great coverage in the back corner of the end zone, which was right in front of me, which was freaking awesome. Yeah, I think if we had Mackenzie Milton, this game would have been a lot different. Now, we, oh, no, wait, wait. LSU had like 20 starters on defense. No. <laughs> missing. Forget that. The Don't. thing is, though, I saw a couple people, actually it was more than a couple people, kind of going after Mac on sort of the message boards and stuff. Completely unnecessary. We've asked this kid to do so much in these last two or three games. You know, two yeah. and two and three quarters of a games. Yeah. And he has stepped up. Unbelievable. He didn't He's have- done an unbelievable job. Yeah, he really has. And honestly, and we'll get into this very, very in-depth in a little bit, but I don't think the play calling was right for him. Once we realized that, you know, he was not necessarily – and and it, some of his throws were good, some were bad. We got unlucky on, you know, pass interference and drops and stuff. But I think we go back and kind of dial down the offense, lean on the run game more, short passes, and then take those shots once in a while when we have – first and tens and, and stuff like that instead of forcing him to throw the ball long on third down which you know there's a higher probability of something not going well on those plays right and again I said this the whole game I've said it the whole year I said it the first podcast of this year give the ball <laughs> to Greg McCray more in this whole year have they given the ball to McCray and he hasn't done anything with it no 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 so why did we go away from that I don't he understand did, it he, I understand he did lead the team in carries, but when you're averaging eight yards a carry, you don't get ten. You don't only give him the ball ten times. Yeah, give him the I, ball twenty times. I agree, and you like know, give our defense a little more rest because that was the other thing. The defense honestly was playing lights out when you only have forty five. Our drives were lasting forty five seconds. Yeah, we had five three and outs. That's insane. I mean, how many did we have all season? We had twenty three and outs so all season long. That's like in twelve one, games. It's like one and point six per game. And we had five this game. When and you're giving were, your defense forty five seconds to rest against an SEC offense or any offense for that matter. Yeah. They were mostly in the second half, weren't they? With the circumstances, I think the defense played lights out. This Overall should have ran the ball a little more. LSU could have scored a lot more points. I mean, for how many times we gave them the ball and for how long they had the ball. So defense played great, but also we could have won the game too. So kind of goes both ways. I think we lost the game. They didn't win the game. We lost the game. Yeah. they. I mean, no, they, they played a good game. They earned it. But they didn't dominate us or beat us down. The stats might look that way, but when you have the ball for 45 minutes, you should have that amount of yards. I don't know. All right, let's, let's go back to the game, go from just beginning to end. LSU, you know. Kick, opening kickoff. Opening kickoff, man. Obviously, you were talking a lot of smack. I wasn't there with you, but you had to have been talking a lot of smack pregame. Always talking smack. Were you sitting next to any LSU people? I was in the LSU section. Come okay. on, man. So there was this guy in a purple jacket and like had his beard dyed purple, and uh, he's there with this kid. And I go up to him. I'm like, hey, man, friendly bat. You look like an LSU fan. You go to home games. He's like, yeah, I go to all of them. I'm like, all right. So and I did I tried to do the same bet with TJ LSU dad, but he wanted to like give canned food or some crap. So I was like, yeah, whatever. But um, I was like, look, if we win, you wear a UCF jersey to the first LSU game, and vice versa. I'll wear a purple jersey to our first home game. Friendly bet. He's like, no, no, no. Well, I'm like, what are you afraid? He's like, no, we're gonna win. I'm like, take the bet then. And his kids right there, and I'm gonna be like, yo, 
did your kid know you're a wuss? <laughs> I wasn't drunk enough at the time. And I even I even offered it to him at halftime, and he still said no. But anyway, all right, Dang. so, well, at halftime, yeah. I was like, okay, we're just going to stomp him here. You know, we had all the momentum. Yeah, we had, you know, we had, Dang it. We had the momentum at halftime, but it, we felt, you could still feel we weren't really clicking on offense. Like, we were felt, I felt lucky to be down three. But I was hoping, you know, the kind of fortunes would reverse at halftime. We'd make some adjustments. Opening kickoff, super hyped. Guy that, like, shot someone takes the opening kickoff. What? Yeah. Clyde Edwards. Takes it into the UCF red zone. What's going through your head? The first thing that popped in my head was, well, here we go. And then I remembered a long time ago, because my parents are huge Gator fans. Remember a long time ago, 2007 National Championship. Ted Ginn? Was in the same stadium, actually. Oh, really? And I remember I was watching the game. My parents were there, and it was Florida and Ohio State. Yep. Ted Ginn takes the opening kickoff like 104 yards or something crazy. <laughs> and they were in the stands. And I remember watching the game. I was like, damn, they're going to get stomped. And it couldn't be anything farther from the truth. That yeah. Flo- I think that was their only touchdown it, of the whole game. It was Floyd like one, like 42 7 or something. Some, yeah, exactly. Something like that. So that's what popped into my head. I was like, all right, well, you know. It happens, but we'll just turn around. If you and if you, we I can't rem- lose, can we? I remember I saw it from the jumbotron, and like we like had the guy, and I, I don't know, he like slipped out or something. So it's not like we had bad coverage. Oh, he was good. Tackle. What do you know? Good <laughs> or good or anything, but anyway, so we stopped them there. Huge stop. I felt mean, great after that. That's pretty much like a turnover, holding him to a field goal. Oh yeah. So that's huge momentum swing. Stop. I mean, they got down. Actually, I watched this replay like five times. I think Burrow got in. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah I totally defi- forgot about that. Hundred percent. I was telling <laughs> everyone I was sitting around uh, the bar we were at. I was like, dude, they're gonna review this, and it's a touchdown. But whatever. And it, they 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 only showed the replays. I feel like at the game when it helped LSU, but they showed the replay. I'm like, elbow, elbow, elbow down. But now I watched it like on my own computer. <laughs> it and was he, a touchdown. It was definitely in. But anyway, then they false start, and they've got third and five and a half or whatever. And we stop him, holding him to a field goal. I'm like, all right, we got this. Then, you know, we get the ball back, come out on offense. March right down the field like it's nothing. Yeah, running the ball. Yeah. We've got, you know, Otis Anderson in the game, a little bit of a surprise. Then we run that trick play throwback to Mac, which actually was, like, kind of hanging in the air for a while. And then max has got the ball up the sideline looking like a freaking fullback or, like, not even a fullback, like a tight end is what he looks like. That was a cool play. That was I, a really I cool mean, play. obviously it worked like 20 or 23 yards was awesome. And yep. I think we should have saved – we could have saved that maybe for near – When we couldn't get anything going on offense. Yeah. But I like it. We come out fast. Then AK, nine-yard run. Mac nine-yard run. McCray, 25-yard touchdown. Let's go. UCF football. I'm like, we got this. This is our football. Yeah. They can't stop us. Why couldn't we just do that? This is what I'm again yelling. Again and again and again. The SEC is nothing. They can't stop us. And I swear, if we stuck to that kind of leaning on the run game, game plan for the whole game, we would have been fine. But anyway, all right, so LSU gets the ball back, starts to march down the field, and then what do you see? Well, what is it? It was 7-3 at that point. Yeah, 7-3. LSU marches down. So the crazy thing is that the bar we were at had a ton of TVs, but they also had this huge projector screen. And 
we then figured out that the huge pro- projector screen was about a half second earlier than all the other TVs. So Burrow throws the ball. They're down like what, like the ten yard line or fifteen yard line. Yeah. About to score, and uh, Burrow throws the ball, and I hear like two guys like scream, and I'm like, "Whoa, what the heck?" The ball's like still in the air, <laughs> and then I see Bam Moore take it, and like everyone oh, just man. like freaking goes nuts, and we're all just we didn't we couldn't see on the TV, we couldn't see like how many defenders, you know, if there was a defender back or something. So I figured he maybe get tackled. Um, you know, yeah. I was just waiting for some guy to, like, come into the screen from LSU and, you know, tackle him. But we were all just yelling in unison, go, go, <laughs> go, go. Then, of course, Joey Connors murdered Joe Burrow on the with a vicious block. He really did. They, review, they reviewed for targeting. Clearly was not targeting. All shoulders, just Connors a beast. Yeah. Burrow's a bitch. Dude, Burrow is the opposite of that. I mean, for him to come back after that, that hit, is true. I mean, they even put. How it did as, he not go to the concussion protocol or anything? Like, I don't know. He was know. laid out for a solid like five minutes. He was like dead. I mean, they even changed his Wikipedia page to "murdered by Joey Connors on <laughs> January first, two thousand nineteen." But anyway, all right. So I said it on Twitter. The most exhilarating feeling in the whole entire world is being at a major bowl game and having your team take back a pick six. It felt exactly like Shaquan Burkett's. It's it's the most awesome play because it's not just a big play to score like when you're on offense, but we took the ball away, which is awesome, and then we scored off of it, and it was like, I'm like, holy shit, we're doing this. We won. Like, might as well just give us a trophy. I think I kept saying that. Was like, just give us a trophy. Just give us a trophy. Oops. <laughs> but that was definitely really cool to see. We didn't even see the Joey Connors hit, and they didn't show replay, which I guess you shouldn't do on injured possible plays. But I thought we had the game in the bag at this point. Kick the ball back off to LSU. We stop LSU. We've got – it's like second and 15. We sack him. Oh, and everyone was just going nuts at this point. I'm like, dude, I'm like – I'm like, the route is on. The route is on This is it. It's a blowout. And then, you know, Randy Charlton takes the ball after the sack because it came out, starts to run towards the sideline. I wouldn't say spiked it, but I wouldn't say dropped it. I've looked at this a bajillion times. I would say push the ball down with force. The ball went up to about – Not spiking. I really, like, dissected this yesterday. The ball went up to about his – like, parallel with his head, and he released it at about his waist. Not forcibly, but definitely that motion. But I went back and I actually found the rule, and I'm going to read this to you guys. This is important here, and I want us all to kind of get over this. Because to me, I haven't – you're about to read this rule, and okay. I haven't read it. Okay. To me, if I was a ref, something that could totally change the game like that, I would maybe call like a delay a game. Because you could see sometimes they do that, you know, when the yeah. ball is like kicked or thrown somewhere yeah. after a play. They call a delay a game. Because you could see in the background the ref was like trying to ask for the ball. He was trying to ask for the ball. Just call a delay a game. That would kind of be like a warning. You know, it wouldn't right. have given them a first down, and it wouldn't have changed the game. Well, something else to consider was two plays before this, Burrow scrambled out of bounds. Bam Moore hit him. He didn't hit him as hard as he could have, but he definitely had enough room to lay up. And I also watched this replay again. And they threw a flag and then picked it up. And I thought it was it should have actually been a late hit. And I think that might have had something to do with this as kind of a makeup, so call. A makeup call. But let me read this 
let me read this rule. After a score or any other play, the player in possession of the ball immediately must return the ball to an official or leave it near the dead ball spot. This prohibits kicking, throwing, spinning, or carrying, including off of the field, the ball any distance, any distance that requires the official to retrieve it, spiking the ball to the ground, except to conserve time as a forward pass, and then the other ones don't matter. But pretty and much that's unsport that's unsportsmanlike. unsportsmanlike conduct. So what they're saying is if you Even end if- up if you end up with the ball, you either give it to the ref or put it down on the ground. So even the spiking part aside, he did not give it to the ref or put it on the ground. So by the letter of the law, he committed a penalty. Guys, it sucks. Let's move on from this. I mean, you I, mean know. I understand what you're saying, but I feel like I've seen that so many times where, okay, somebody will get sacked and then, you know, it's they're clearly down, but a, a lineman will get the ball and he'll pick it up and start running with it, you know, like it's a fumble. Yeah, know? and then just drop it somewhere. Right. I guess him in the act of he was just running straight towards the sidelines. And the fact that he didn't just, you know, maybe if he really, really just dropped it with no arm motion at all. But I think the combination of him running with it, because like, I know what you're talking about. The guy gets the ball, runs, and just kind of just lets it fall out of his hand, I would say. Not drop it, but fall out. But the fact that he like had it up and then kind of threw it down, threw it down is what I would say, maybe. It, it just I think it was a combination of the things. I think if he just really, really just let the ball go, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But Heat of the moment. The kid's what eighteen? Yeah, no, I can't blame. I can't. I mean, I can't blame did, him at all. How would you have acted in that situation? <laughs> I, I don't pun- even want to know. I would have punted the ball into the student <laughs> section, ripped off my helmet, and slammed it on the ground. And said, "Let's go." But anyway, all right. So look, that's what it is. One play should never define a game. And honestly, as you're about to see, we had so many opportunities to win this game. In other ways, this shouldn't have mattered. But it was definitely a big momentum swing because LSU marches down, scores a touchdown. We get the ball back. Mac fumbles. LSU gets it, scores another touchdown. Then we three and out. LSU scores another touchdown. And all of a sudden, they've scored 21 straight to make it from 14-3 to UCF to 24-14 to LSU. And this all happened in... Not that long of a time span, and it was just like, it just took the well, breath. Yeah, out of because us. all of our drives were like forty-five seconds. Yeah, dude. they were. I mean, we had four plays and a fumble, three and out, and touch- including including the pick six, which that drive was how long did it take him to run down there? Ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, it's we're like we just kept putting our defense on the field again but, and again and again. But they didn't score for the rest of the half after that. We held him to a three and out and then a, f- a five yards and a punt or f- five plays and a punt. So the defense actually did good for the rest of this, but we didn't do anything either, really. We got the ball, drove it down a little bit, uh, went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Another three and out, um, which, by the way, Mac Loudermilk had a career game. Unbelievable. I I saw all of his punts, obviously, on the uh on the TV, but I didn't actually look at the stats. He averaged 50 freaking yards a punt. Yeah. He hasn't done that in any game this no, year. No, no. Maybe any in his career. I, I'd have to go back and look, but I think this was an absolute career game. His worst punt was on one where the snap was actually pretty high, and he still got off like a 45-yarder, I'm pretty sure, which, mind you, that's 45 yards from the line of scrimmage. 
not counting the yards he's standing behind. So these are still big-time punts. Um, but anyway, so then, you know, we're sputtering on offense pretty bad. Get the ball on the five-yard line and drive it down 95 yards, running out of time. We got like 11 seconds left, and Mack drops an absolute dime to Gabe Davis in the corner of the end zone, well defended. And then, you know, it's 24-21 heading in the half, and we're like, we talked about this earlier. We're like, all right, we got this. It's a little bit closer, but we got this. You know, what were you, what were you thinking? I th- I'm with you, dude, the same way. We had all the momentum going into the half. Uh, and we're getting, getting the ball. Getting we're getting the, the ball, ball at back. half. I'm, we're fine. We're fine. I've been saying it all season. We're fine. I honestly thought we were fine, but we we weren't fine. All right, and then this is where it really, really gets ugly. Is after halftime. I mean, we start off. I'm looking at this drive chart here. We started off three and out, right? We start off three and out. And here's where I want to get into some of the blame game. And, you know, we haven't done this all season. Well, actually, because we haven't lost. But I know hindsight's twenty twenty. But, you know, our first drive, we've got third and two. And we're throwing a, a like a 15-yard post to Otis Anderson when we've already shown that we're having a little bit of trouble moving the ball. Why are we not running or throwing? The slant was wide open. The guy covering, so we had four wide, two on each side, and one running back. And we've got Snelson in the slot on the, the left side or the side closest to the camera from the game. The guy defending him is like 15 yards off. Just do a little two-yard slant. Like, at this point, we need to run plays that are high, like high probability, get the first down, and then we throw the big passes on first and 10 if we yeah. want to. Or just hand the ball off to Greg McRae, who's averaging, like you said, eight yards a carry. Well, not he averaged eight yards a carry in this game. Over the entire course of the season, 1,100 yards, averaging nine a game. So this wasn't so just... If you're averaging nine yards a carry, and it's third and two, I don't even care if the whole world knows that they're going to run. Probably a good chance you're going to hit the first and, down. And Squints' article, I think he said, McCray had like 4.5 yards before contact. The dude's vision, he's, he just knows where to go when he gets the ball to avoid contact. And LSU was getting, they were disrupting the backfield all game. But he still was able to make it 4.5 yards without contact, which is awesome. Anyway, we miss it. Loudermilk punts. LSU drives down and gets a touchdown. And... You know, felt like all their touchdowns were just on big plays with guys that were like Wide not open. covered. Yeah, so that's what they do. Score again. We get the ball back. We've got third and six. Same freaking thing. It was almost the same play. The slot receiver to the far side of the field, like a twelve-yard slant or post or something, cutting in, and he just throws it a little bit behind Snelson. And yeah, I mean the guy was open, but why are we not going for a little seven-yard out to Kalubiali or something like that? you know, a safer play. And this was kind of the theme throughout the second half. A couple plays, couple plays. We get that muff punt. Kalubiali has a wide-open touchdown and it hits off his hands, but he was, like, right behind the referee who was ducking, and I can see how that kind of um, messed with him. Oh, and then before that, obviously, the Gabe Davis wide open. Oh, with him running down the left side. Yeah, wide open. But, again, if you look at the replay, I think someone hit his foot and... I don't know. Look, this keeps coming up, all of these things. Oh, oh, if this happened, oh, if that happened. (laughs) you got to remember, I was just talking about this before we started recording. Look, over the last 25 games, 
there's been dozens if not hundreds, hundreds, no, nah, not no. hundreds. Maybe there's dozens. probably, I would say probably a dozen. There's been a dozen, you know, coin flip things. You know, one thing went our way, another thing went our way. Yeah, you know, where it's like fifty-fifty. Dude, we could have lost that conference championship two years ago against Memphis, and like we wouldn't pretty be, easily. We wouldn't be talking about twenty-five games. We'd be talking about ten games or whatever. I mean, there's we could have so- lost when we were down seventeen to Memphis. Earlier in the year, we could have lost when we were down 17 in the championship game. And Ben and the frickin' Birmingham Bowl. We could have lost, you know, probably a dozen times. I Well, not a dozen. I think I went back, there was like five, five games. There was five games where we were down double digits, I think. Something like that, I think. Well, U, USF last year, we weren't down double digits. But mm-hmm. we still... Are you sure? We were never down oh. two, two scores. Well, wait, I mean, either way. But still, all of those things have to go right. You know, and, and they did, to, and they have and gone they right consistently. It just so happens that everything went wrong. Pretty much everything went wrong in one game. But and the, you know what happens? I mean, the thing that's, that's just that just shows you how crazy last year was of be, completing the season undefeated, and it shows how crazy of winning twenty five games in a row. That's football. It's almost impossible. Yeah, and you know, like I've said, sometimes you come out and you just come out and don't play. Hype didn't call his best game. That's clear. We could talk about it all day. The play calling was not good. I think anyone could agree with that. Squints just put out a really good article about it. It just was not good. But anyway, somehow through all this, we end up with the ball with like two minutes left. Or no, it was maybe four minutes left. And all running plays drive, what, 75 yards? Not one completed pass Mac, by Mac. Mac ended the game with 10 straight incompletions. 11. 11. Actually went back. His last completed pass was five minutes left in the third. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and we're not dissing Mac, dude. Credit to him. He played really, really well. And, again, we're just a couple drops away from winning this game. And he would have been offensive MVP. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he really, really tried his best out there and poured everything onto the field. And that showed. So, anyway, we drive down, score. Uh, got McGowan in the game, the big guy. Onside kick. I just saw it for the first time yesterday. One of the most beautifully executed onside kicks I've ever seen at any level of football that wasn't recovered by the kicking team. It just, dude. Hats off to Matty Wright. I I can't imagine if I had seen this in person. I think I would have died because it felt like the ball was sitting there on the ground for like 20 minutes when I was watching it yesterday. I can't imagine what it felt like watching that in person. Which to me is insane because think about it. When was the last time we had to onside kick? Uh, like 2016, probably <laughs> three years yeah. ago. Yeah, it's that's crazy. But then, you know, LSU got the ball on their own 45, three and out punt. Defense again stepping it up as they did. Like I said, after that first touchdown drive in the third quarter, they didn't do anything besides punt and kick field goals. So props to the defense. They 45 minutes on the field is almost two games worth of defense. Yeah. I mean, that's it insane. It is two games yeah. worth. That's insane. And, you know, we get the ball back, I think, 40 seconds left. And it was... It, At that point, everyone that I was watching with was just so depressed. And, you know, we scored the touchdown. Everyone cheered. And then when we got the ball back, everyone kind of looked around at each other like, dude, <laughs> whoa, we have we got a chance to tie here. I like, know. 40 seconds, we've... Half of our scoring drives are in 40 seconds. I know, you know? I know. It just didn't feel like it was there. I don't know. But, I, and, and, you know, the interception was crazy. It 
like ricocheted. Uh, yeah, so that's right? not. It really wasn't Max' fault, but yeah, it threw it in like five defenders. So that was his helmet. first interception. I think it was his first interception thrown all year, which is pretty crazy for you know a freshman quarterback with very limited experience. You know, usually you get kind of excited. You know, you throw yeah. a couple picks. Here his and first there. interception all year. Good for him. Um, so uh, yeah, you can't you can't blame. It was it's a team game. It was a team effort. I'm not putting the blame on anybody, and I feel kind of bad because even some pl- I know Otis went on Twitter and even apologized to the Knight fans for losing. And I was like, dude, what? If anyone's got to just- apologize, it's got to be Coach Hype. We got to get McCray the ball more, and and Otis. But that's uh, whatever. Yeah, I feel so I like I feel so bad for the players because I feel like they, they let us down. No. This is the first time Otis lost a game. It's the first time Gabe Davis lost a game. They don't know how to react, really. If I could send a message to the players, not apologize to us. We're thanking you. Thank you yeah. guys for this amazing run. I've been saying it all season. This probably won't ever happen again. Most we college- said it at the beginning of the season. I There's know. no way we're gonna go. <laughs> It's crazy. Who thought we were going to go undefeated? I thought Sit we, down. I thought you we didn't. I thought we had a chance. Is that close enough? I said like a 10% chance. I thought easily we were going to lose one or two games, which is amazing. Yeah. You lose one or two games in the season. It's great. But guess what? We didn't lose to Purdue by 29. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at that. Ohio State. And the, I mean, that... They beat... T- wa- they just l- look at Ohio State for a second. They beat Washington in the Rose Bowl. So Rose Bowl champions are like twelve and one, thirteen and one. They destroyed Michigan in yeah. the in the uh, Big Ten championship. Think about that. Well, one game, one game. Everyone mess. Everyone messes yeah. up. And Purdue is a bad team. You know? LSU Purdue's is six and seven. They got rolled by Auburn, who sucked. They got this destroyed. Year. Auburn broke all kinds of records against them. And they lost our, by twenty nine. Our flat game was against an actual good team. Top ten team. We're better than them. But it happens. Yeah, it That's happens. football. It is football. Um, you got to lose eventually. I exactly. mean, Clemson and Alabama, they haven't lost in a while. One of them's got to lose, too. Yeah, because they play each other. <laughs> so, yeah. What were some things that stuck out to you during the game? Offense, defense. Let's talk about the announcers. How did you feel? Could you hear the game well? No. It, oh, okay. So we'll skip that. <laughs> well, I'll talk about it. I just rewatched it. I put my thoughts on Twitter, and I said, you know what? For the most part, they were pretty fair talking about us. You know, Steve Levy tried to make a joke about the jersey color. It didn't come out right. He said, or like, or the dark blue or light black or something. Greasy, I mean, you could tell he's a little biased, and he kind of took some shots at the end saying, you know, this shows we don't deserve to be in the playoff. This shows that 25-0, and 0, we don't, we're not a playoff team. That's whatever, man. I mean, you know, it's playing to the audience, and... That just honestly shows how dumb he is because you don't judge a team off of what they did last year. You can't say last year's team didn't deserve to be in the playoff because this year's team lost to LSU. You freaking moron. Like, So that just shows that he's stupid. And Whatever. I, I thought it wasn't that bad. I thought, you know, the one thing that did kind of add on to that was that they didn't show our band at all. No. They didn't I, show... I will, watching it on TV... I will tell you this. They, they didn't show our no, cheerleaders. They showed no UCF fans almost the whole game. They only Nothing. showed them for like... They re- showed the LSU band 
Like f- and those like dancer chicks yeah. for the band a thousand times. They did, and they like, didn't- if it was a good play for UCF, they'd show them looking all dejected. If it was a good play for LSU, they'd show the LSU band. And they'd show every time. They'd show a couple reaction shots, but not just like the random shots that they kind of just show of the crowd. They didn't show our cheerleaders at all. And our cheerleaders are way fucking hotter than their stupid dancer ballerina things. And they're better, aren't they? Like three time national yeah, champions. Yeah, come on. All we do is win natties. So. I don't know, whatever. Um, but overall, I thought the announcing was pretty fair. You know, back to the jersey color thing. You know, it might not be Steve Le- Steve Levy's fault. Actually, my one of my wife's coworkers, she told me, asked, you know, what color um, those jerseys were. It is kind of a weird color, especially on well, TV. Well, I guess he was he's a little bit colorblind. Oh, so it could happen. You know, that maybe Steve Levy's a little colorblind, and it yeah. was. It might be also like remember the thing on Facebook with the dress like oh is it blue is it black or whatever <laughs> the black and blue yeah. yeah well not only that one in four males is partially colorblind so that definitely could be a thing males are what you said one in four males is <laughs> one in four males be colorblind yo <laughs> no but uh, seriously you know whatever and then also he said he said UFC once it's a you know classic slip up it's not like he did that on purpose. Even my grandma said that. I used to say that. <laughs> that UFC. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, she was a huge UCF fan. Exactly. It, it. You know, it happens. One other thing. Crowd attendance in the crowd. Yeah. What? Since they didn't show it on TV, what do you think about the crowd? All right. So the announced attendance: fifty-seven thousand two forty-six, with a capacity of sixty-five thousand. That ain't right. I would say it's probably about forty-five thousand. The bottom was filled in. A lot of the times you could see empty spots in the bottom, but it's because like the band was like going to halftime and stuff like that. I'd say it's about forty five thousand. About fifty fifty. Maybe like fifty two forty eight UCF. It was a it was pretty balanced, That's good. I would say. No, it was great. And what do you think the twenty four the twenty thirteen Fiesta Bowl was at Baylor? I I, mean, w- I wasn't but there, but I heard it was like two to one, three to one. I mean, but also Baylor is a lot closer than Orlando. You know, yeah. Texas is halfway to Arizona, I think, maybe more than halfway than Florida is. I mean, you know, the attendance, people were like, oh, it's a bad turnout. Well, what do you expect when you put two southeast schools in the friggin' desert? Like, it's not affordable for everyone to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, it just wasn't feasible, either because of work, because of the travel time, or because of the money of the flights was ridiculous. So, the turnout was great. Overall, awesome trip. The parties were awesome. My kickoff party was insane at Bottle Blonde. Carson Ingalls' parties were great. It was just a really, really cool time out You've there. You've actually been gone for like two weeks. I feel like I haven't seen you. I have forever. been gone for two weeks. I went so what did you do? You went to you went to Chicago. Met up with first mom for Christmas. Yeah, Christmas with the family, and we, me and mom dipped out of there. Went to Vegas. I had a good time in Vegas. Left to my say l- the least. L- yeah, yeah, whatever. I went straight from the club to the strip club. To the airport <laughs> and managed to leave my no laptop. showers in between. No showers. Managed to leave my laptop at TSA because I have pre-check, not to brag, but I have pre-check and normally you don't have to take your laptop out and they searched both of my bags separately. So I was like running back and forth between the two TSA agents, like repacking my stuff and I was like late and flustered and I totally left my laptop because normally it's packed. I don't have to repack it and... I just grabbed my bags and left my laptop there at the airport. And that's why we didn't get the LSU preview show out. I guess it really didn't matter. But literally all Squint said was, 
it's going to come down to our offense versus their defense. And he was right. But you know, if we would have got the podcast out, you know Coach Hype is a avid listener of the pod. So really... Are you blaming me? You could say it's all your fault, Sean. All right. We lost. I'll, I'll, I'll take the blame on this one. It's my fault. Um, cool thing is, is that it's actually really easy to get your stuff back. I called and they found it in like 30 seconds and they've already FedExed it back to me. Good to know if you've ever lost something well, that's at great. an airport. Yeah. So wait, then you got to Arizona. Oh. You, you had a huge Airbnb. How many people were in this Airbnb with you? We had uh, 16 other people in the Airbnb. Oh, UCF rowing team. Shout out to those girls. They're awesome. Took great care of us. They're all being super healthy. They had a, a testing or conditioning test or something two days after. So they were super help, uh, healthy and um, babysat the rest of us. No, they, they were all super cool. Everyone there was cool. Uh, it was kind of tight packed, but it uh, worked out good. The house was sick. It was like five, five or six beds. Uh, a lot of people, a bunch of UCF kids. And, uh, it was, it was a really good time. It, it was awesome. It was just such an awesome experience. Arizona is amazing. I didn't go hiking. Everyone else went hiking, but I saw pictures, and the, the hiking looked great. Yeah, I saw the pictures, too. Definitely reminded me of when I went hiking in Scotland earlier this year. It, it, the just make, it Don't make this about incredible. you. <laughs> you just talked for like 15 minutes straight. All right, all right, all right. All right. You went on a trip, too, but it wasn't as cool. We get it. No, it, it was awesome. The Fiesta Bowl experience was awesome. I'm really glad. You know... If you would have told me that we weren't going to win and we would have kind of sputtered on offense before the trip, I would have been like, this trip's going to be miserable. The trip was awesome. The game even was – the outcome wasn't how I wanted, but the game was awesome. And looking forward, our future is bright. We are loaded with talent. Obviously, it's hard to go undefeated, but I think we've got a great chance at – Doing something similar this next year and going is, to the Cotton Bowl. The thing is, that shouldn't be the goal. You know, you shouldn't start off. Oh well, the goal is to go undefeated. No, we go one and zero every every go one and zero every week. Again, I'm not on the team. My goal can be whatever it wants to be. But I'm saying, you know, like that should not be the expectation from fans. We've raised the bar. Does though. anyone go? No, that's the thing. No, they just don't. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't expect to go undefeated, but. My eyes are on the prize right now, and I think we can get to the Cotton Bowl. You know, so the Cotton Bowl next year because the the two playoff bowls, the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, are the playoffs. I'm not talking. I don't want to talk about the playoffs anymore. Although, if we beat Stanford and Pitt, what do you? Th- all right, first of all, what do you think we're going to be ranked starting off? Fifteen. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Well, so, before that, what do you think we're going to be ranked <laughs> in the final rankings? Because now. LSU is obviously going to move up. What were they, 11? Yeah, Texas is going to pass us. So we have won. one loss against a top 10 team. Qual- oh, dang. whoop de doo Quality loss alert. You know? Dope! We finally got our quality loss. So we have one loss against a top 10 team. The end. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad, but they're going to be like, oh, quality wins. So Do you think we stay in the top 10? No, absolutely not. But a lot of top 10 teams lost, don't you think? Yeah, and they'll, they'll fall ahead of us. What it, about it, top 15? We should be top 15. We shouldn't drop seven spots for losing to a top 10 team or a top 11 team. Yeah. but I think we move – put us at 10. That's not happening. They have been. 10. We have one loss against a top 10 team, we Sean. Move, I know, but I'm saying during the regular season, we move down in the rankings for winning. You don't think yeah, we're going to go – But their whole – I'm just – I'm playing yeah. in their shoes right now. 
They're looking for any excuse to move us down as far as possible, dude. We'll probably what, get. What if we don't even are in the top twenty-five? All right. Well, that's crazy. No, we're gonna be about fifteen. I think we're gonna start off about fifteen because there's really no. The only excuse they could have is we lost our quarterback, which I don't know. I mean, Mac is Mac Proovey's perfectly fine. Obviously, he didn't have his best game this game, but I mean, he crushed it against Memphis. So we start off top fifteen. As we know, preseason rankings matter because we had a harder strength of schedule in 2017, finished undefeated, and we only got to 12. We had a much easier strength of schedule in 2018. We finished at 8 in the regular season or after the conference championship. So that preseason ranking matters. And now we've got two Power 5 teams on our schedule. Knock on wood that Sanford doesn't get hurricaned out, although at this point uh, it's been like three years in a row. Maybe we could, but my I don't expect that anymore. We've already been let down twice. Who cares? You know what? What's the point in even talking about it? But yeah, Cotton Bowl that'd be fun. We complete the trifecta, dude. Three NY six in three years, and if we win the Cotton Bowl, that's like the Grand Slam of NY six bowls. So, yeah, pretty much. And I kind of like Dallas. I've never been. Yeah, Jerry World. <laughs> Hold on. Is the Cotton Bowl a Jerry's World? Yes, it is. Oh. So that'd be fun. Yeah, I'd go if I can get off work. All right, let's get to our interview. We've got Mr. Six-Year, all-conference team honorable mention, tight end, former walk-on, Michael Kalubiali, coming at us, talking about his awesome career, talking about the game, talking about just pretty much everything. Really cool interview, so let's do that. I'm here with six-year extraordinaire, former walk-on, tight end Michael Kalubiali. Mike, thanks for joining the show. What's going on, man? So much, man. Thanks for having me. Yes, uh, we really appreciate it. So, how you feeling right now? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of bittersweet. I wish we could have pulled it off one more time for uh, all of UCF and finished off the last two years good, sent out the seniors the right way, but I mean... I'm just really proud of how far this program has come in all reality. it's uh, It's been a crazy couple of years there, and uh, to see this place grow is, is really special. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've seen everything, like a, a pretty much a roller coaster right in front of your eyes. Let's go back to how you kind of ended up at UCF. Your dad was a walk-on. Did you get recruited in high school? and decide to try and walk on at UCF or kind of what was going on in your senior year? So senior year, I didn't really have uh, many offers. I could have went, I mean, somewhere out of state, like small schools and played obviously, but um, not really what I wanted to do. I kind of wanted to stay closer to home and I thought I was better than, than what I was uh, getting as offers opportunities. So um, Coach Becton, from, uh, he's from where I'm from, the Ormond Beach area, Daytona Beach area. He actually is a family friend of my uncle. So we were just kind of talking to him. He came and visited me at school a couple times. And uh, finally, he kind of he finally came up to my high school and was kind of like, yo, like we want to have you uh, as a preferred walk-on. Maybe come up to a practice one time, talk to Coach O'Leary, and then uh, we'll get the ball rolling from there. And uh, kind of just made my decision. I think it was like, I think it was like March of um, my senior year, so I was like two months to graduate. So I kind of had to speed up the application process and and then get accepted in the school, and then kind of it was there in the summer. Right. So how does that work as a preferred walk-on? Like, 
it, it's not like you're just someone that goes to school and you're going to an open tryout, right? No, so preferred walk-on, it's kind of like, I mean, you're recruited in, in a sense. Like, you have a, a guaranteed roster spot already. You don't have to try out for the team. It's basically all it is. Right. And you just don't you have just a scholarship. Come, yeah, you just you just don't have it. Yeah, you're right. You just don't have the scholarship. You just come in. You're enrolled in, in the same classes in the summer as a lot of the guys on the team. You start workouts the same. Um, you're just, I mean, I wouldn't say treated a little bit different, but you're just you're just kind of you're just kind of there <laughs> to begin with in the summer. Like it was a freshman preferred walk on. So what did you do? You were just on pretty much like scout team your freshman year, and that that was a Fiesta Bowl year, right? Fiesta Bowl year, yeah. So um, I actually had a pretty decent preseason camp that year. Uh, I went in there and uh, kind of showed O'Leary that I could play a little bit, and um, he kind of during that during that uh, camp gave me a shout out in the in the meeting. Kind of was like, "Yo, I want this kid on special teams." And two days later, I was off the special teams, so <laughs> um, <clears throat> didn't didn't go as planned. I kind of kind of glad it didn't because I mean, if I would have played that year, obviously I wouldn't have been able to. Play this um, year. Play this year, yeah. But um, I learned a lot. So it was, I mean, it's it was an experience for sure. You you, you um go through camp and everything, and then uh, you're on scout team the whole year. And I mean, just scout team. A lot of the guys, people don't understand. It's not like a like demoting thing. You're not. You're not. It's like it's not like a bad thing. You you. A lot of the guys that are in the NFL now played on scout team, and uh, you you go against the best number one defense all year long. So it definitely makes you a better player and. Definitely. Kind of helped me, yeah. Helped me a lot. Helped all the guys on the team a lot too. Definitely. So, what was it like playing under George O'Leary? It was different. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of night and day to what we experienced the last couple of seasons here. But um, it's definitely something that I'm I'm gonna cherish forever. I mean, you learn so many lessons from that guy. It's it's insane. Like um, the discipline aspect of everything. He, he's taught me and a lot of the guys on the team is, is, uh, is it goes beyond football. Um, that's kind of one thing I've learned from him. It's, um, I mean, just to give you an idea, we, we would like show up to meetings, say it started at six. You were literally in your seat at like five twenty-five because the meeting started at like five forty at the latest. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. Uh, you just learned time management skills, uh, discipline, um, just preparing how to prepare is kind of what I took from him a lot too. I mean, that's crazy that you played under all three of these coaches. What was it like during that 0 and 12 season? You, you were finally playing then, right? No, that's actually the year I was, uh, I was hurt. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I hurt my shoulder that year. So, um, that program, I mean, it was a little different. When you, when you, if you were hurt, it was kind of like, you're just in the training room. You're not really, on the practice field or oh, any you. on the game on the sidelines or anything. So honestly, like it's kind of weird, but like I'd I'd wake up at like 10 a.m. every day. Like they they yeah, they'd be at practice. I'd I'd go in for rehab at like 11 11:30 whenever they get out of practice. And then I mean I wasn't allowed on the sidelines during the games if you were injured. Um, no one was if you if you were injured that year. Um, I mean it was kind of different. I, f- I felt a little isolated from the team a little bit, but um, just like. That year, from I roomed with a couple guys on the team. It just nothing really clicked that year. Um, people yeah. started like falling, yeah, falling away from the love of the game. Like they didn't want to be around football, around all the guys on the team. They kind of wanted to do their own thing, and that's kind of why uh, we didn't have really much success that year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it was a perfect storm of you know 
young, like inexperienced. We lost a bunch of seniors on both sides of the ball. We had injuries and everything just kind of snowballed. But, you know, I've said it before, we needed all that stuff to happen for, you know, us to kind of clear house, get Danny White in there and kind of get a fresh start for this entire program. So back when what I was saying before, what was what was the difference like in the transition with a guy like Scott Frost coming in? It's like a, a player's coach as opposed to like this kind of, I don't want to say dictator, but kind of like an authoritarian type figure that George O'Leary was. No, yeah, it's uh, George O'Leary. I mean, everyone on the team respects him so much. Uh, what he yeah. did for the program and everything was Definitely. incredible. He, yeah, I mean, he took, the, he took the program from nothing and made it something in a couple of years. But uh, when Coach Frost got there, like it was night and day. I mean, O'Leary was really old school, uh, hardcore coach. That's gonna, I mean, like, I mean, coach you, but I mean, in a yelling way. But uh, when when Frost got there, he kind of sat down with every single guy on the team and told him, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yell at you if you make a mistake. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna coach you. I'm, I'm gonna make you want to be in the building. I make you want to be around the guys on the team, around the coaching staff, and everything. You're gonna love football again. And that's kind of one thing that the guys on the team just kind of. Um, loved about Coach Frost and, and his whole entire staff he brought in. And just um, just wanted to be around the team, around the football. Um, he definitely brought the love of the game back for a lot of guys on the team and um, really appreciate everything he did for UCF too. You know, when he left, it was a lot of people like had all this negative attitude and stuff towards him. I'm like, this guy just brought us an undefeated season, a Peach Bowl, and turned us around in two years from – when, like, we had no, you know, everyone, not just the players have kind of lost the love, but as fans, a lot of us have lost our passion for the game. And he revived all that in two years. And I think people kind of take that for granted. But, I mean, I'm definitely appreciative. I, I know, I'm sure you you definitely are too. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, he gave me a scholarship, so can't really be mad at that guy for oh, anything yeah, he's that, done. <laughs> I, all right, so, t- so tell me about that. So you weren't on scholarship for your first three seasons, right? And then yep. how did that kind of happen? So, I mean, for us, first season there, I kind of earned some playing time. I've kind of played a little bit on um, offense and special teams. And then um, going into that spring, I was having a pretty good spring. I kind of, um, I guess, earned, earned a spot to, to play a lot more the following season. And um, Coach Frost kind of uh, noticed that. And then in the meeting room, he kind of, we had a team meeting that day and then, he kind of just pulled up some clips I had during that during that camp, and everyone was kind of like confused. I was confused too. Like he just I would be. <laughs> yeah, like three or four clips of me. Like he is. I mean, you know, Coach Frost is kind of awkward. He's kind of like pointing at the screen, like <laughs> just kind of like sitting there. And then like I was just like, yeah, okay, okay. All right. And then the next the next clip, and what then did he I didn't do? say anything. he didn't say anything. He's like, watch this kid. Boom! Like I, I had a catch or something. And then couple, like two more plays, he showed. And then after that, he was like. That's why I don't want you to pay for school again. And then he's like, "You're on full scholarship." And then uh, everyone kind of, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I definitely awesome. remember remember that moment forever. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on that. That's definitely really cool. All right, so let's talk about that season that upcoming up, the first undefeated season, which is an awesome thing to be able to say. You really started to get some playing time, and I remember the Maryland game. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, I saw that in person. In the huddle, like when they called the play, do you know it was going to you, or were you like a second read or something like that? No, so um, <laughs> I was in. It was really hot that day. First of all, I was in like the whole drive. We started. I think we started from like a five yard line or something like that. 
And then I'm not making any excuses, but uh, <laughs> I was in that whole drive and then kind of like I was tired. I was about to tap out right before that play. And then <laughs> as soon as I, I mean, the play kind of, I guess, kind of knew it was going to me uh, when I first saw the signal. Right. But then as soon as I caught the ball, I like took a step and then um, my leg like kind of gave out. So I kind of like short stepped a little bit, my other foot, and then uh, the rest is history. Now it's all over Twitter and uh so, it's it's a big big joke now <laughs> it's funny now because you've had other touchdowns and stuff but at the time i mean you had only had a, a couple catches in your career right yeah so i think that was like one of my like fourth or fifth catch right so what's going through your head are you like this <laughs> like are you how pissed were you at yourself <laughs> oh you have no idea i mean i sh- uh that was my first touchdown in yeah. my life in college um so i mean i was i was pretty i was beating myself a lot that that next couple of days but i think i screwed the next week so yeah, I, kinda, I was gonna I, say i was so happy when i saw you score against cincinnati and that was an awesome snag in the back of the end zone i was like all right <laughs> now we can start to roast him on twitter <laughs> oh yeah i mean everyone i heard it from everyone they're like, oh thank god you caught it in the end zone so you have to, you have to run to the end zone but uh it was funny it's i mean it's still a joke i still literally get jokes about it um yeah like up until yesterday this year well i mean obviously since you know you've had more touchdowns and you know the team's had success it's definitely a little little bit easier to laugh about a mistake like oh, that for um, sure if it makes you feel better i dropped the only touchdown pass i would have ever had in my entire career and it still hurts me to this day so i definitely understand <laughs> yeah um, it's not a good feeling all right so let's you know go back to last season what what was the whole thing like going to the peach bowl you had already been to the fiesta bowl obviously you didn't play or anything like that but what was the difference like, you know, going in, being actual, you know, dressed and part of the team? What was that whole experience like there in Atlanta? It was different. Like I said, um, I mean, usually when I go to bowl games, like my, when I went to the bowl game my freshman year, I mean, it's more of just like I'm happy to be here. Like it's this is going to be a fun experience. A little vacation. Uh, a little vacation, yeah. You don't have to worry about playing on the in the game on uh, whatever it was, January 1st. Um, you're here. For, it's a business trip and – um, you, you take definitely take it more seriously when you approach the game. Um, you still have fun, but it's it was a bigger stage. A lot of the guys on the team obviously weren't used to playing on such a big stage against a really good team, and uh, kind of just being there. I was and a lot of the guys that were here um, for the Fiesta Bowl that year kind of told them it's not you. You can't be bigger than the stage itself. Like you, you're gonna have to go in there and and just play your game. You don't have to, you don't have to improve any or impress everyone. Um, just because you're playing in the Peach Bowl, uh, it's you're playing like a normal game, and it's just kind of just settling the guys down a little bit and making sure that they're calm, they're cool, and a little bit and collected was uh, one of the main things. All the seniors that year did a good job of making sure the freshmen and a lot of the younger guys understood. Yeah, that was definitely just as a fan. I was like, it was overwhelming seeing that stadium that packed. Definitely a really cool experience, and then obviously winning the game. I mean. Uh, you know how how awesome was that? <laughs> I mean, it was amazing because everything we went through that year, our, our coach left us like yeah a month before the game, and <laughs> a lot of people thought we had no chance. Even I think Coach Frost said it in the post game, and he didn't think we had a chance that game because every every circumstance we had to go through. But uh, that was that was what's so special about like a lot of the guys on the team that year, and even this past year, we just handled adversity really well and. Uh, it's just incredible have a, how much uh, character this team has. It was really like a perfect ending to that season. But talking about the Frost thing, the rumors started to swirl around kind of after t- 
Temple. As a player, I'm sure you hear that kind of stuff, but like, do you zone it out or in the back of the head were you kind of knowing that Frost was probably going to leave at the end of the year? I mean, once you once you hear those rumors, it's kind of hard to um, right. just ignore them. So, I guess a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of us were just we're thinking about. It. We knew that. I mean, as soon as that job opened up in Nebraska, that it was probably uh, his already. So we we kind of prepared for it. But um, I mean, yeah, like, we were really sad to see him go. But I mean, we all understood. We all um, knew that's home for him, and he did what's best for his family. But I mean, to say we ignored it was not, uh, we couldn't really ignore it because it was all over everything. You saw like, Twitter, yeah. um, the news and everything. So uh, we tried to block it out, but uh, it was kind of hard. I always wonder like what goes through your guys' heads because, you know, in the interviews you give the same, you know, canned answers like, oh, we're just focused on, you know, this week and the game and stuff. But you wonder how much, you know, you're thinking about that because impo- with social media and everything, it's literally impossible to block out literally, any yeah. kind of rumor. All right, so then let's, you know, talk about the end of that season. He leaves. Coach Hype comes in. What are your expectations coming into this season last year? So, I mean, initially I didn't think I was <laughs> going to be there. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Let's talk uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I just I, – I, I mean, I kind of uh, – after the season, um, there's a little bit of talk about me maybe coming back. And I talked to the trainers a little bit, and they passed a new rule, and then everything kind of – uh, happen uh, as planned from there, but uh, right because I saw I mean, you, I saw you on the sideline at the spring game, and then it was like, wait, he's back. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember it was <laughs> just. I mean, right before then, I kind of had an idea that it's it probably going to happen because I think they passed that rule in April. So um, is it pretty easy to like apply for and get the waiver or whatever? Yeah, I mean, compliance handled all of it, but I mean, just the rule kind of states if you miss a year of uh, eligibility due to an injury after redshirting one year previously than you're eligible for six year. And I mean, I had everything, uh, all the paperwork and everything just submit to uh, NCAA. All they, all they had to do is review it and uh, um, accept me to play. So Sweet. it was kind of easy. Yeah. So, I mean, I was kind of working out with the team, doing my little my, on my own too, because I wasn't cleared yet all that summer. But as soon as I was cleared, I was uh, able to fully work out with the team. So. Now you're back on the team, and you're all of a sudden like a senior leader and a starter. How awesome was that? It was awesome because I mean, a lot. Of, I mean, the years before I was kind of a role player, didn't right. really uh, like have a starting role per se. But uh, just coming back, just to get that experience of a starter and, and actually being a, a a leader on the team is kind of a, it was crazy. It's a good experience for me. I mean, for life as well, just to work on my leadership skills and, and all that stuff. But it was fun just being a part of the team, like leading those guys, especially being in the in the tight end room with guys like Jake Hescock, Anthony Roberson, um, that had no game experience or anything. Uh, just being in that room with them, helping them, um, just making sure they're calm and ready to play when, when, they're, when their number's called is, is kind of one thing that helped. I think I helped a lot this season with um, and just helping – um, a lot of the leader or the seniors on that team that year, just just making sure that they know. Because I mean, I already had a senior year, yeah. uh, a little bit. So just <laughs> making sure, that, it, yeah, yeah, experience. Just making sure that they know that, that this is their team now, and they have to uh, make sure that, that that as they go, the team goes, and just just help them with that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I mean, if anyone's definitely earned the right to be a leader, and you know, to be a starter like this, it's been you through five years of hard work. So. 
that's uh, awesome. Congratulations on on getting to be able to do that. All right, so we got to talk about it. Um, I know it's still probably a little sore subject because it's you know only been a week, but let's talk about the Fiesta Bowl. What, what I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on the game? I just rewatched it, and you know, at first I have a I'm in a group chat with a bunch of Gator fans, and all I was hearing was how we got dominated, we got dominated, and I just watched the game. It doesn't look like we got dominated. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, we obviously didn't play anywhere near our best game. Um, I mean, if if I could say it's, it was definitely our worst offensive performance of the season. Yeah. But and we came up eight points short. I mean, to say we got dominated was kind of a uh, kind of ridiculous. But I mean, my coach, tight end coach, I said after the game, like, there's no such thing as moral victories. Um, That's true. And you don't want to say like they. I mean, they outplayed us that game. Um, we definitely could have done a lot, a lot of things better, um, both sides of the ball, especially the offensive side. We didn't really give our defense much help. The time of possession was kind of uh, insane, I mean, <laughs> insane. But that's that's what you get if you don't execute with the type of offense we run. And uh, we definitely shot ourselves in the foot a lot. But um, I think a lot of good things were, I mean, you take, you can take a lot of good things from the game too. And, and they're definitely going to build on it for next season. I agree. And we just talked about that earlier in the show after rewatching it. I mean, I'm, I'm stoked for next season. I think there's a lot of good takeaways from it. And I think the future is definitely bright. You know, we're not just a one, one hit wonder here or two, even two years. I think the future is going to be uh, really, really good. Um, I agree. What about that, that pass after the muff punt? with the ref did the ref get in your way or i've been dying to know <laughs> yeah i didn't even um see the ball until it was kind of like right in front of me and uh that's what i figured i definitely got blind a little bit but uh, i don't i definitely probably should have caught that i mean i don't you know, get an excuse but <laughs> you gotta practice those blindfolded catches man come on all right <laughs> <laughs> all right so i don't know if anyone's told you i think it was either your sister or your mom I was asking about segments on Twitter in the beginning of the year, and she's like, you should do a, a Kalubiali Heisman update. And we started doing that for a while, and it was kind of a joke. It was like, oh, he, uh, you know, you ran back, which on that awesome hustle play and tackled the guy at like the one-yard line on the interception return. But then it turned into like, oh, he's got two touchdowns this week, and it was kind of like a serious thing. But um, anyway, people really love you. You're kind of a, a fan favorite with Night Nation and uh, – uh, how can people follow you on social media and stay in touch? Twitter handle uh, is Michael underscore Kalub. And I think my Instagram handle is just my name, uh, no space. All right, cool. And I'll, I'll be sure to put that out there. Oh, one last thing for you, too. What are your plans now for after college? Um, I know you've been in school for six years, which you're probably <laughs> sick of. Uh, what, what's looking? What's the horizon look like? Uh, well, after I graduate with my doctorate degree, Cup coming spring. Doctorate? Uh, Jeez, you I'm, I'm just, I'm, oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just Dude, kidding. I wouldn't be surprised uh, at this point. <laughs> I know. I see a bunch of tweets of people just like, oh, he's doctorate degree. But uh, <laughs> no, um, so I'm going to be training to do a uh, pro day. I'm going to give it a shot this year and see what happens from there. Awesome. Well, best of luck with that. Um, thanks again for hopping on the show, man. This has been really awesome and insightful. And uh, wish you the best of luck. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Good nights. Yeah, good nights. All right, that was a really awesome interview. Cool to finally talk to a, well, I guess now he is a former player, but close to current player about everything that just went down. So thank you, Michael, for coming on the show. It's always nice to hear those. 
Yeah. I, I love the interviews with, with the players too. This off season, we're actually going to be interviewing a couple other different players just to keep, you know, we're not going to have a podcast every week because there's really not a whole lot to talk about. We're not? Well, I don't know. Do you? I don't know. Do you think we can make a whole show every week? I th- Well, let's try. And then if we run out of stuff, then we'll, we'll skip a week. I would say... I've got a lot of stuff. I mean, let's do... How about this? How about you just hit the subscribe button? That way you know... There you go. When we have a new episode out. It just pops right up on your phone. Subscribe, and also please leave a review right now. We are by far the number one reviewed UCF podcast. We appreciate that. We ascended into that spot in less than one year, more like four months. So. That is a pretty amazing feat because when I told some people at work about it, you know, they instantly... If you just type in UCF podcast, we're the first one that comes just type up. type in UCF. And even one of my coworkers was... Oh wow, seventy some reviews. You guys are popular. Yeah, we're like, not yeah, bad. A little bit. So we appreciate that. Um, but yeah, we got a lot of stuff. We're gonna do a re- recruiting blowout podcast with uh, UCFSports.com's Brandon Helwig. Like Moose said, we've got a bunch of great interviews with players lined up, and you know we've got a lot of stuff to talk about still. We're you know the graduating seniors, who's going to the NFL, outlook on next season, obviously the recruits. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, let's do our Fab Five. We've got our Fab Five most exciting moments during UCF's historic 25-game win streak. It was tough, um, but we think we've got the best five here, and we're going to do these in order from number five oh, to number I thought that one. was the whole thing about Fab Five. We go back and forth. First, we were doing in order. Then we're like, oh, it's not in order. But now this, it's back in order. This is a good one to do in order, though. Okay, so show-by-show show basis. I don't know. That five, in order. In whatever. order. All right, let's go. I'll start it off. All right, so number five, we've got Bam Moore's forced fumble versus Navy. So this game was really close. This was in 2017. This game was really close the whole time. Back and forth. Um, Navy's driving with the ball. Not too much time left, and we're up 24-21, but they're moving the ball pretty well against us. And they do a little option run to the far side. Bam Moore just, boom, crushes this guy. Never saw it coming. Scoops up the ball. UCF gets the ball back. Drives down. This is kind of Otis Anderson's like coming out game. We hadn't really seen much of him uh, yet. And he comes down, uh, I think they handed it to him like four times, and scores a touchdown to go ahead, 31-21. This was kind of our first game that was um, – you know, felt like we could lose, and our our big seven game win streak or whatever was on the line, which is crazy because that's actually a good win streak. It sounds minuscule right now, but that's actually a big win streak. And uh, this game was close, and we stuck it out at the end, and that hit really, really defined that game. Yeah, I loved it. I love that hit, and th- I mean they still replay it all the time in some of like the hype videos. Yeah, it is, and in like not just a UCF hype video. It's in one of the, I think it was in, like the e- ESPN college football intro like video or something mm-hmm. this year. So pretty cool. Love that hit. All right, and number four has got to be the Memphis game earlier in the year in the reg- regular season in Memphis. Taj McGowan seventy nine yard touchdown run. Seventy one. 71-yard touchdown run on a fourth down and one. We were down 30-17. to 17. Two minutes left. Two minutes own, left. On our own 29. On our own 29. The hype classic let's go bone. 
play. <laughs> Tristan Hill, wrecking ball. Um, in the cold, in the rain. Yeah, Tristan Hill in the, at fullback. The play that I completely missed because I thought we were punting. With a key block, and Taj takes it all the way, brought it to within one score. And you want to talk about a moment where we could have easily lost the streak and lost everything. Dude, we don't get that. Memphis has the ball. They're up 13, 13 points. They're ready to score. They're ready to score there on the 29. Back. We haven't stopped them. That's it. I yep. mean, then that's like not even conference cha- not even making the conference championship we lose that game. Possibly, yeah. I mean, that stinks. So So, anyway, a very very exciting you can't tell me you weren't da- every UCF fan wasn't down at that point right before he, I mean fourth and one down thirteen a little bit and little uh, bit. to come all the way back it was amazing so absolutely love that play that was awesome all right so number three Shaquan Burkett's pick six last year in the Peach Bowl so if you remember we were up thirteen to six at the half. Auburn comes out and scores two quick touchdowns on us, and this is one of like one of those oh crap moments. They're up twenty to thirteen all of a sudden. UCF comes back with two straight touchdowns to tie it at twenty twenty, and then to be up twenty seven to twenty. We feel like we've really got the momentum. Missed a field goal. Now Auburn's got the ball, and on the second play, Shaquan Burkett sitting there in zone picks it off. Pick six, let's go, baby. Probably the best moment of my entire life, which is kind of pathetic, but as UCF fans, freaking awesome. Brings it back. UCF goes up 34-20 with less than six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, a lot of people around me left. Pretty, and that, and the yep. Auburn people. The Auburn and that people made me started so, to leave. Oh, when you get a pick six and you're sitting around. I was on the UCF side, but for some reason there's I was surrounded we, by Auburn people. Well, not only that, you were looking straight at Auburn. You could just see him filing up the yep. stairs. But Ball was great. That was it. That iced the game, even though they had a chance at the end to win. That pretty much iced the game, and that was just like the greatest freaking feeling, man. That was awesome. Seeing that happen, it was just like, ah. Kind of how I felt when Bam Moore took that touchdown back, but it might have been a little, little premature in the first quarter. <laughs> All right, so number two on our Fab Five, most exciting plays of the 25-game win streak. We have, we're going back to the conference championship game 2017, the double overtime thrilling winner, UCF over Memphis, 62-55, to was Trey Neal's uh, game-sealing interception. We were up 62-55, so Memphis had the ball. We had just scored. We had just we had, scored. We had the ball first this over. So yeah. they had a chance to tie it. And honestly, at this point, if they would have scored, they might have went for two. But anyway, <sighs> don't don't tell me they that. had a fir- they had a first and goal on our own fi- or, uh, on the UCF five. So only five yards. They were probably going to score. So the first play was a loss of four yards, and the second play, Riley Ferguson missed by inches. The touchdown wide open. I forget who the receiver was, but it was right, right there, and pretty much, I like you said, was they might have went for two, or we would have went to triple overtime, and again, none of this would have happened. Yep, stadium was completely packed, and the interception happened literally right in front of me. It was awesome. I just remember going absolutely crazy. The yep. confetti cannons going <laughs> nuts, and still got that piece of confetti in your wallet. I do. Nice. It's probably. I guess a lot. I gotta throw it out now. Luck ran out. No, nah, man. It's, 
Um, what is it? Uh, glory fades, but confetti lasts forever. Isn't that how it goes? Something like that. So anyway, that was just an incredible moment, and I was glad I was there for it. And that's that sealed a sealed the deal for the game, the conference, going to New Year's Six Bowl. It, it was just absolutely incredible. Yep, definitely. All right, number one. I'm sure you guys know what this is going to be, but it doesn't make it any less exciting. Mike Hughes, reservation for six in the Cabanas. All-time greatest call by Mark Daniels. All-time greatest play, probably at least most exciting play in UCF history. In the, you know, the packed bounce house, the nightlights, everything. But let's go back into that game a little bit and really kind of set, uh, set the story here before we talk about the kickoff return. So UCF is up by one point, 35-34 in the fourth quarter, kind of running on the clock but also driving on USF. McKenzie throws that screen pass to Otis, 23 yards. As Adam Amen says, the perfect play up the left sideline, 23-yard touchdown for Otis Anderson. There's two minutes and 21 left in the game. UCF is up eight points on USF. It feels like that pretty much iced it. We get the ball back to USF. First freaking play, wide open, Quentin Flowers pass, 83-yard touchdown, and then they get the two-point conversion, and the absolute life has been sucked out of I us. I remember, too, I was like, before they scored the touchdown, I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to score. Yeah, we're fine. And then they scored, and I was like, oh, there's, oh, there's no way they're going to get the two-point. <laughs> and then they do, and like the place was freaking quiet. And I'm just like, what just happened? And... Before we could even process how yeah. the game just got tied, Mike Hughes. I had my head in my hand, and the guy, the stupid USF fan in front of me was still talking smack. <laughs> he had his back turned because he was in front of me. He had his Don't! back turned talking smack to me while the kick was in the air going over to Mike Hughes. And I was just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55. He's got, not 55, 55 (laughs) 55-yard line. (laughs) He's got a reservation for six in the Cabanas. Touchdown. Boom. But, yeah, dude, all-time epic moment. Before we could even realize what had just happened, I was, like, I sprinted from my seat in the end zone all the way up to, like, the other 20-yard line down the stadium, hurtling over the things that block you off from the Cabana. (laughs) That was just absolutely insane. Put us up 49-42 to with like a minute 40 left. USF still gets the ball back. And then Mitchell Wilcox fumbling, forced by Richie Grant. And I think Shaquem. Shaquem kind of fell on it and Shaquan Burkett got it. And that sealed the game. And, folks, the rest is history. What an awesome moment. I still get goosebumps every time someone tweets that, that play. Wow, going back through all that, I'm just so <laughs> proud to be a UCF fan. I couldn't I mean, be more last proud. 25 games in a row, and these last two seasons have just been 25 been games, amazing, man. Two coaches, an unbelievable amount of memories. Um, you know, like I said before, thank you so much to these players and these coaches, and to all the fans for being a part of this. And this is going to be two years that we're never going to forget for the rest of our life. And it's been so much fun. It's been so distracting from work. It's been amazing. I love it. And I think this is just laying the foundation for what's to come. You know, we're, we're kind of, I didn't want to start the show off with, oh, this is the end. Or, oh, you know, the end of the streak, end of this. And 
I think longer term picture that this is really, you know, the foundation for what Danny White wanted in the first place was top 25 program. Yeah, that's In it. all sports. Yeah. And you can't tell me that people all across the country have not been talking about UCF for the last month, all day, every day, every every show on they ESPN s- I watch. They still UCF are. this, UCF that. It's awesome. What other team are they talking about as much as us? Not, Nobody. No one, no one gives a crap about Alabama Clemson, that's for sure. Dude, the game tickets are under 100 bucks now. That's insane. Oh my God. That's what the Peach Bowl tickets were last year. It's crazy. One, more than that. One, I, one thing, you know, kind of piggybacking off that I want to add is about the whole coaching change and stuff. We forget, you know, we got so spoiled by going 13-0 and last year that you forget that we had a first-year head coach. He's never been – Hype's never been a head coach before. And not only is he a head coach, but he's still the play caller and offensive coordinator. So he's doing something he used to do while also having to completely manage the game, which there's a lot of different stuff going on, especially with, like, clock management and timeouts. And he was learning all that stuff on the go. And, you know, he might not have called his best game in this last game, but you remember the Cure Bowl, Scott Frost's first bowl game. That was a disaster. I mean, you know, and we pretty much had the same players that we had the next year when we went 13-0. and Frost was learning on the go. So Hypo had a lot better first year. Now, obviously, we were a little bit, I guess, had more experienced personnel-wise. But still, Hypo did great. He really, really did. And he's going to learn from this game, and he's just going to get better as a head coach going into next season. And, you know, I, th- I think this – obviously, you don't want to lose – You've got to always take something good out of, I guess, something bad. And this is going to be a learning experience for him. And if this was his Cure Bowl, then I can't wait to see what Hype's Peach Bowl is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's just you go back to, like, how much NFL talent we lost from last year to this year. Yeah. The recruiting, I mean, when did Hype will get hired? Right before the Peach Bowl? Like, right. Didn't the early signing day already happen? It was, like, right then. And we lost a ton of recruits to Nebraska. No time. Ryan Callahan like deleted all of our recruiting stuff from the computers at UCF. Uh, a lot of stuff happened, and he didn't have time to recruit anyone. He was just trying to cling on to the ones we did have. And you know, after the Temple game, when Frost met secretly with Bill Moose, the AD of Nebraska, you know he didn't give a crap about recruiting, and none of the coaching staff did. So those next three weeks, they were probably just sandbagging the recruiting. So, and this year it shows because we've got like probably our best recruiting class ever. Oh, yeah. Well, that brings us to our next little segment here is just a little bit of a recruiting update that we wanted to go over. What do you think the biggest shock was of the recruiting year so far? I mean, I'd have to say I think it was that guy on the national TV in the Under Armour game the other night because he had like, I think Florida was definitely in his top. And, you know, he pulls that hat out of his bag and you know I was saying I'm one of the best team in Florida and I'm like oh crap I mean there's a chance it could be Florida but he didn't lie he picked the best team in Florida UCF um that was Traymond Morris Brash who did that um let me just go over the list of schools that he had offers from Arizona Arkansas Boston College Colorado State Kentucky LSU Maryland Michigan Michigan State North Carolina Virginia Tech like these are all power five schools. All get he, he could have chosen any single one. But guess what? Us. 
pick the best team in Florida. And, you know, us, that's huge because we're losing Titus Davis, Joey Connors, A.J. Wooten, Tristan Hill. We're losing a lot of guys on the D-line, and we've got some really, really good guys coming in to fill those shoes. Oh, also wanted to talk about Hawaii quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who committed to us as well, coming from the same hometown and high school as Milton, so that might have had a little bit to do with it. He did have offers from Georgia, USC, Army. He actually made official visits to Georgia and USC. I mean, that to me, like, if if you go to Georgia, SEC school, you go to visit, they want you. You're clearly a Power 5 caliber player yeah, player and quarterback. But guess what? He didn't want that. Nope, he didn't want that. Want to go straight to UCF. He is a little small, 5'11", 185, but I've seen his videos kicking ball. He's basically like mini Milton. Was I mean, Milton he's, five? Eh, he's he's probably the same size. The same size as, as he's literally the same size right, as Milton. Milton 2.0. There you go. Yeah, I, I like it. We definitely need that. One thing we're missing, though, is experience in the quarterback room. We don't know what's going to happen with McKenzie. He's not going to be ready in the beginning of the season if he is at all. I think as a coaching staff, you have to pretend like he's not going to be ready. And if he is at any point in the season, then that's just a bonus. But you have to pretend like he's not. You have to prepare for the worst always. Our quarterback room, we've got four quarterbacks with a combined three starts. They're looking for a grad transfer quarterback. And I think we're going to get either DeAndre Francois or Jalen Hurts. I think so. Okay, it's possible. Yeah, I think so. But we're, we're definitely looking for a grad transfer because just experience-wise, experience it's not there. Nothing against any of the guys we have. They're all very talented. But we need someone with experience. No, I I don't disagree with you that we need someone with experience, but I just don't think that... uh, I'm telling you. Do you think DeAndre Francois would start over Mac? I I don't know. I don't don't want him to start over Mac, but I just want someone with experience there. Right, but who would want to... If they're going to transfer, they're going to... They're wanting to say, like, look, I want to play right now. Maybe they think they're better. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's all here. It's all hearsay and Who knows? You know, what ifs. Who knows? We, we can still talk about it though. That's what we're here for. All right. So uh, we're probably going to get a couple of junior college transfers as well. We got a couple guys. We got we got the number one JUCO cornerback, which is really funny because someone said Mike Hughes two point oh. Mike Hughes was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> which I would be too. Yeah. I mean, that's funny. So anyway, what else we got going on? How was your Christmas? Do you get any UCF stuff? Santa bring you any UCF gear? Santa brought me uh, a crap ton of gift cards. Uh, got yeah, I got a couple of UCF. I got a long sleeve Nike shirt. It was really nice. Cool. Helped me out. I didn't expect Arizona to be that cold. Um, so it was definitely nice. Did what you about you? Look at the weather before you went out there. Yeah, I was, saw it, you were in shorts one day. I, I love shorts. I always wear dude. Unless it's like twenty degrees, you can always wear shorts. It's not like it's not like I'm walking around outside all day. Like you get in your car, you drive somewhere, you get out, walk into the store, restaurant, or whatever. You're outside for like 20 seconds. I like to be comfortable. I'm a shorts guy. Um, but yeah, what what did you get? Anything good? Uh, UCF related. I got a pretty nice uh Southern Tide new Southern Tide polo, which I like, which my wife bought me. She said was on a hanger that had a large sign on it. The shirt was actually a small. Somehow still fitting me. So I normally wear a large. You need to eat more, dude. Either that or the 
polo company needs to figure out like what the hell a size small actually is. Yeah, that's weird. Small is like really small, but anyway, and you're not you're not small. But moves yeah. like six one, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm almost six one. Six one, buck seventy five. No, one ninety something like that. And then I got a new UCF hat, which brings my total to like eight, even though I usually only wear one of them. (laughs) All right, so talking about uh, money moves still, let's get into your bull picks and kind of a recap on how you did. Oh wait, hold on. All right, since we're talking about you, let's go to our favorite segment: money moves picks of the week. No more games, unfortunately, in college football. No, I'm not going to pick the national title game because, honestly, I'm not even going to watch it. I really don't care. I'm going to watch it just because I love football. But, yeah, I don't care. So, I don't anyway, want Alabama to lose. I might, but throw, I, don't think I might throw something on, on Twitter, just a random pick if you want to throw something on it. Be my guest. By the way, thank you to everyone who did ended up fo- following me. I did gain quite a few followers you did and i you know i forgot to tell you the other day i was looking at the reviews on itunes one of them was like dude thank you to money move maybe like 200 bucks oh i saw that yeah, yeah. so you're shout re- out to very welcome people. sir uh speaking of making money let's go over my total season record because it, it's quite astonishing at, at the percentage i was picking this season and the le- going the whole length of the season so my regular season i ended up 26 and 18 Bowl season, pretty similar, 19 and 15. Because my total overall season record, 78 games, I was 45 and 33. That's a 57.7% record, which might not seem amazing. However, I was looking up some stats on uh, betting websites and such. They said the average Joe public better averages over the long term about 48%. That so seems the whole, good. But so yeah. over the whole season, I was 57.7. And in order to make a profit, you have to be about 53 to 55%. I also found this one website that said there could be fewer than 100 people in the entire world that can pick consistently over 55%. So I got one whole season. Now, we're going to keep going with this season after season. But I have one whole season at 57.7%. Pretty remarkable, if yeah, you ask me. Definitely. Um, so UCF hope, being on a winning streak and you picking them every yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably twice. <laughs> well, we didn't cover the spread every time, but yeah, I think we we're like ten and three or something like that. But no, definitely. You, props to you, man. You did great. Ma- made me a bunch of money. Made our our followers a bunch of money. Uh, so definitely awesome season. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your service. And you know, I can't wait for next season. Only like what seven eight months away. Can we bet on the spring game? <laughs> I need to no. bet. <laughs> well, you know, basketball season is coming up. I don't really have a lot of wagering going on. Yeah, I just I bet on UCF. But yeah, if I would just take UCF every game, why not? <laughs> Makes hey, we're it ele- we're eleven and two. Got a big game actually. That's coming up here. No, it's about to start. Um, against UConn today. Yeah, it's today. Today sa- we're it's recording at, this Saturday. Yeah, it's at. It's yesterday. Yeah. Wait, so hold on. All right, a little basketball recap. Yesterday, UCF had a big game against UConn. They won 75 to 70 or something like that. No, I don't know. The game's literally about to start right now as we're recording this on Saturday. So if that was the score, I'm firing UCF minus two. 
Take the minus two. I would take. I mean, you UConn was like nine and five. We're eleven and two. Done. Free it's money at UConn. Free money. Not look. I don't have to look at stats or anything. I'm, right. I'm betting right now. Just take it. All right, let's move on. Oh, we got a meanwhile to the West. So <laughs> USF is so freaking bad. They ended their season. All right, they started seven and zero. They started their season seven and zero and became the first team ever to do that and then lose six straight games. They are really bad. Seven and six overall record. They lost. You know, usually if you have a winning season, it's like. Yeah, you know. It's not bad. Not a winning season. It's not bad. It's not great. Another winning season, you know. I mean, honestly, this 7 and 6 season feels a million times worse than our 6 and 7 Cure Bowl season in oh, 2016. For sure. For sure. But they capped off the season with a 38-20 loss or beatdown by Marshall in the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl in their own house. In their own stadium, which was completely empty. It now, was granted, emptier I, than I, empty. I hate sticking up for them, but it was like pouring down rain the whole day. Yeah, but I mean, I'd be there. But yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I mean, geez, Marshall scored 21 points in the first quarter, and the game was over before. Um, Yeah, you could tell they totally gave up. They just didn't care. I mean, come on, you you lose five straight games after starting 7-0. I feel like I'd be done, too. But uh, great pick, by the way. I feel feel real bad about it, and I still get this crap from people on Twitter and you and Pop. (laughs) I actually picked USF. Yeah, I know. I just went over how awesome I was for the whole season. It's 57%. okay. But that includes it, that includes that though. You were better despite I mean everyone makes mistakes. So, yeah. I made a mistake on UCF well, last year. I didn't say bet the house. Yeah. I said bet the house on UCF. Oh. Which also lost. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, USF sucks. Uh Charlie Strong clean house. 11 players kicked off the team. Inside one night stand source tells me they all failed drug tests. By the way, hmm. that's breaking news. They're dismissed from the team. Are they eligible to transfer, or they, like, can they? They still have to sit out. I I don't know because I, I looked and I looked and saw the names. Really, the only one that I noticed was Darnell Solomon, who was the guy that caught the last year, who caught that touchdown at the very end, the wide open. Yeah, I mean he's decent. Yeah, I guess not like we need another wide receiver. Yeah, pretty much stacked. But. And then uh, so yeah, a bunch of them transferring. Also, four assistants fired. Their offensive coordinator took a head coaching job at an FCS school. Although most of the USF fans have been um, pleading for them to fire him anyway. Oh, so Nobody likes him. Could next year be their 0-12 year? Ooh. Oh, man. Dude, that would be awesome. Because that's the only thing they ever have against us. We have six conference championships. Two NY six bowls, and still the USF fans were like, "Oh, we didn't go in 12, and they yeah. showed the stupid paperback picture. Well, you know what? They're due for one. Well, it's just like a while ago. You know, they lost to McNeese State, an FCS school. Yeah, but they did lose by like 30 points. They got blown and out. We went all crazy on them. It was like, oh, at least we didn't lose to an FCS school. And then two we years later, we lost to Furman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, oh and 12. Is like just as hard to do as twelve and zero. Sometimes you need to hit the bottom before you. Come you really back do, up. and you know I went over this on Twitter the other day. If we win two games that year, George O'Leary is our permanent AD. He was interim AD and head coach at the same time, which makes no sense. But whatever. We honestly, we was like George was like God at the time because yeah. of the Fiesta Bowl thing. We were just doing whatever he wanted. Um, Brent Key, who just took uh, O line coach job at Georgia Tech from Alabama 
would be our head coach. We would still be running run-run-pass pro-style offense. We would still have khaki-colored uniforms. We would have no Milton. Tiny little numbers and no names on the back and a small logo on the helmet and a stupid stripe down the helmet. We wouldn't have any of the awesome playmakers that we have now. We would have no Peach Bowl. We would probably do the thing where we win like nine games one year and sneak into the conference championship and then win like four games the next year and then win eight games the next year and then win three games and it just goes up and down and up and down and yeah so that was 0 and 12 was the best thing that ever happened to us don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise and you know danny white and Dan- and we wouldn't have danny <laughs> we wouldn't have danny white and we wouldn't have had so anything either, else yeah. i skipped that part uh so i mean that just goes to show you like a, some of its luck too you know, things could have gone way worse, way worse throughout, you know, these last five, six, seven years. And we should all be thrilled. Yeah. Amazed at, at what this program has become. Yep. The future of our program. You look at USF. What is their future? <laughs> have no stadium, no plans for a stadium. Six a game losing streak. Six game losing streak. A coach that everyone wants fired. He doesn't even want to be there. I don't know. Terrible. Yep. All right, let's wrap it up. We're going to skip Monday Mailbag since it's Sunday, and we already have an extremely long show. Thank you guys for listening. If anyone's interested in a sponsorship, let us know. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at UCF at UCF underscore problems. Please listen, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. Thank you guys so much. It's been an awesome season, and... Like Moose said, you know, keep your head up because we've got awesome things ahead for this program in the future. This is not the end. We are still going. And our program as well. We've got a couple little things, uh, hey. you know, in the bag for the podcast. So. We do. We do. We've got some cool stuff coming up. So thanks again for listening. Go Nets. And charge on. Shots. Shots.